You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Peacock and Williamson Tuesday edition. We had some big time pro days, Alabama and Ohio State, Mac Jones and Justin Fields. And we've got a ton of questions here. I know a lot of them are related to what the 49ers are doing, trading up to number three. And I think this was a big showcase for both of those quarterbacks today. A clear winner as expected when it comes to pro days. And Matt, this is not the forum for Mac Jones to shine, right? In some of these personal workouts, his work was done on the field. How quickly he gets the ball out of his hands and accurate in the short to intermediate level of the field. That's Mac Jones' strength. So it's not surprising that in this sort of a, an atmosphere that Justin Fields would be the type of prospect that wows. But we've got uh, numbers for Miami from yesterday as well and some uh, big-time edge prospects and might you know solidify things in the first round of the draft. Uh, Alabama's Pro Day, some other prospects, seen some numbers leak out. So I think we've got to talk a little bit about that stuff before we get to your questions on today's episode. At BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL is where you can get those questions into us for our Twitter Tuesdays. Let's start with the pro days though, Matt, I don't know how much of these you caught, but I mean, I haven't yet. It was a clear win. If we're talking quarterbacks with Alabama and Ohio state, Justin Fields throwing, uh, I, I, the really just the wow throw. And and he kind of warmed up. He, He was little, he wasn't pinpoint earlier on in the workout and then started to warm up. And then, Finished it off with this just wow throw, 65 yards down the field, rolling left away from his arm side, pinpoint, uh, just an amazing throw, and he, he rattled off five or six really impressive throws toward the end of his workout. Oh, yeah, and he's, what, a little under 6'3", 2, uh, 6'2", and 3 quarters, 227 pounds, and ran a 4'4", four, four, four in the 40-yard dash. <laughs> so, I mean, as expected, an, an emphatic workout there from Justin Fields, and I mean, I don't know if you want to double count it because I'm sure everyone expected that he was going to blow up and do some pretty impressive things at his pro day workout. Mac Jones, on the other hand, looks like he's 40 years old and <laughs> has a little extra weight in front. I thought he might have knocked some of that off in workouts, but, you know, still just looks like an average dude out there, but really not even on point with his accuracy, really hit and miss in, in both of his pro day workouts, probably better in his first pro day than the second Alabama pro day with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch there watching him throw today. Um, you know, a little long on some throws, hanging up on some long balls, and even on the short and intermediate stuff, missed a couple of throws. So a clear win if you're looking for this to be a decisive factor for the 49ers picking number three for Justin Fields. Sure, that makes perfect sense. Not going dis- uh, not gonna dispute anything you just said. There's a ton of good information there. Ohio State's got a little bit of a notoriously fast track. So, okay, mm-hmm. what's he a 449? You know, I mean, what's the right. difference? I mean, is he a 45 flat at that size? And that doesn't diminish at all from the throwing or what Jones did or didn't do to excel. I, as you were as you were sitting there, to, you know, talking about those those two pro days and the two quarterbacks, I was thinking to myself, if I'm Matt Jones's camp, I'm not disappointed that, that there wasn't a combine this year. I mean, I don't want to stand next to Lawrence and Lance and mm-hmm. Fields and, you know, it's all alphabetical and, and you're, you're Fields throws, then you throw, then Lance throws and everyone goes, that guy in the middle ain't so good. <laughs> I know? didn't think about the <laughs> alphabetical factor there with him that, throwing yeah. right in between those two guys. And even for Zach Wilson, because he's, I mean, he probably bulked up to get to 214. He's not as physically impressive as, you know, standing next to Justin Fields and Trey Lance either. 
Right, but at least he's six six and he's got the flowing hair and looks apart. And is oh no, I was talking about. Uh, I'm, and... I'm sorry, I was talking about Wilson, not Trevor Lawrence. But Trevor. Oh, Lawrence, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. No, actually... you're right. They're probably Wilson and Jones are probably two that aren't unhappy about having the weigh-ins. You know, throwing next to those dudes, just you know, running forties next to them, shuttles, all that stuff, verticals. Yeah, it's not a great look. Although uh, Wilson, I, I think there's competition now because Wilson did have the wow throw of the pro day season, you know, with mm-hmm. that off platform rolling left, throwing right. I think that was sort of the competition for Justin Fields to try to make a similar type of throw. It wasn't as natural looking when he tried the off platform stuff, but he did attempt a number of those throws and his wasn't quite as um, extreme rolling left, throwing right. But it was a lot longer than that. Zach Wilson throw from his BYU pro day and just on a dime. So equally impressive workouts. And these guys, the arm talent's just off the charts. No, without question. They both make off platform throws. I don't know. We we've talked about that enough with Wilson makes a lot of throws when his feet aren't set or even on the ground. Like you said, rolling left, you know, um, it wasn't under a lot of pressure overall at BYU, but certainly makes second reaction plays. I think fields has probably the stronger, drive it through the wind traditional mm-hmm. arm, but they both, I mean, there's so much talent with these top four quarterbacks, not including Jones. I mean, his talents from the neck up. And you could hear it coming out of field's hands and the spiral. It's really tight. Just, just a mm-hmm. twitchy human being the way he throws that ball and drives it and the way he can run. And, uh, and, and he wears that size so well, I wasn't sure how big he was going to be. And he was, you know, legit, just a, just a hair under 6'3", 227. He's built really well, too. So, I mean, talk about a specimen that you want to coach up. That's why I've been saying all along, I, I really feel like if you're going to move up for a guy, that's got to be it, M- much more so than Mac Jones. And just not enough data points on Trey Lance as, as impressive as, as he is as a prospect. Right. I, I mean, to me, it would be Fields. I think he fits the system better than Lance. Um, I think they're probably equally talented, and if you add everything up, but I think Fields is the more accurate thrower. Uh, with all respect to, to Daniel Jeremiah, who's just you know telling people what he's hearing, and he's way more doubted than me. Uh, Mac Jones just doesn't make sense. And even listening to DJ's podcast, I mean, he says it's not who I would take. You know, he's my 30 second ranked prospect. I'm just telling you what I'm hearing, folks, and I'm hearing a lot. And it's from all different sources that they made this move for move for Mac Jones. And to our to our podcast yesterday, coincidentally, they're both their pro days were today. But you make this trade knowing you like one or the other. It's right. not like, ah, we like one of the two. Let's see what's a better pro day. And Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch held a press conference yesterday, and they said essentially that they said we already liked three guys. Maybe four, okay. we're going to, and now we don't have to be secretive. We can go out and do homework on all these guys. We can go to the pro days now and we don't have to worry about smoke screens and hoping someone falls because now we know we have the third pick. So we can go finish all the evaluations on these players. Maybe it's four and five because we do like some other players, but they knew, they knew it was three already. Is that Mac Jones could, uh, if it was Mac Jones, could Justin Fields have leapfrogged him? I'm not sure. Um, we'll we'll find out in about a month. It's going to be a wild month, though, of speculation, trying to figure out which way they're going. But so many people penciled in Mac Jones, and I get drawing that conclusion because of the quarterbacks Kyle Shanahan has had in the past. Right. But what they spent to move up and move away from Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, there's a really good chance Mac Jones is not even better than Jimmy G in the end. And if he is, he really has right. to max out a lot of his ability. And you have to really believe so much from the neck up that he's going to be that much better than Jimmy Garoppolo that you're. You're going to spend three first round picks on a guy like that's it's really hard to believe 
And just going by Kyle Shanahan's statements in the press conference yesterday, he actually said, he used the word ridiculous. He said it's pretty ridiculous that people say that his prototype would be Kirk Cousins. He talks about John Elway as being a prototype quarterback when his dad <laughs> yeah. was coaching him with the Broncos. That's what he grew up watching. You know, he grew up watching 90s 49ers and and Broncos. So um, I, I get why people would draw the conclusion of Mac Jones and even his good buddy, best friend, Chris Sims, says he'd be shocked if it's not Mac Jones because he knows his friend Kyle Shanahan and what a Shanahan type of player is. But maybe the league has changed enough in the last few years. And Kyle Shanahan talked about uh, wanting one of those top five or 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. And to me, that doesn't scream moving up for Mac Jones. By the way, I will say Mac Jones, not a bad 47940 time. So that was pretty good for him, even though he looked, you know, he's a, he's a pretty average physical prospect as far as, you know, highway speed goes. Yeah. And you mentioned that off the air, like once he gets going, he runs. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. that's not really how the NFL works. You know, I mean, he's not twitchy. He's not boom. I gotta go. You know I mean? He's not sudden in anything. He moves, but he's also pretty light on his feet within the pocket. And, you know, in a Brady Marino like way of navigating the pocket with subtle movement, he does that well for his age without question. But I think we talked about this last week. Like, if I'm the Vikings, I threw this out, you know, kind of impromptu last week. If I'm the Vikings, I could see using that first round pick on Mac Jones just because then I get a same version of basically a Cousins at a fraction, fraction of the cost for five years and, and maybe longer. But you don't trade everything the Niners did yeah. just for that benefit. I'm going to get the same version of Jimmy at a fraction of the cost when there's all these other guys that's dripping with potential there. I mean, that makes no sense to me. I totally agree. I totally agree. Uh, everything to me points to Justin Fields. We'll see if that's the case. And I thought that before the pro day, you can't put too much. I mean, we're, we're having fun with this. It's draft season. You can't put too much yeah. stock into pro day either. It doesn't mean that he's a better player. He's going to be a better player than Mac Jones because he was great in shorts versus air today either. No, no, you're hundred percent right. And again, I'm convinced their mind was made up well before pro days kicked off today. All right, a couple other Pro Day notes, and we'll get to your questions next. Those draft props just got a lot more interesting, right? Who will be the third pick in the NFL draft? Is it Trey Lance? Is it Justin Fields? Is it Mac Jones? You can find the odds at betonline.ag. You can find other NFL draft props, NFL futures, who's going to win the Super Bowl next year, college football champions in well, that game will happen in 2022 and of course march madness which is happening now and always a blast real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine even awards shows and reality tv fights uh, you can play poker at betonline.ag and other table games bet online has you covered for all the news scores and odds it's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up, just go to betonline.ag and use your mobile device to sign up today. Use promo code Locked On and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I think one of the big winners from Alabama's Pro Day is defensive tackle Christian Barmore. Ran a 4'9 at 310 pounds, and he was already far and away the best defensive tackle prospect in this draft. And there's such a, a gap and not a great class of interior defensive linemen that, you know, a team might even go a little bit early on a player like him, knowing that there's not a guy they're going to like in the next round if they're sitting there in the middle of round one. Yeah, and that's what he does well. I mean, he is a big, athletic, good mover that came in, you know, to the draft season before the the, the regular season started as, as pretty much a, 
he's next in line. Quinn and Williams, Allen, all you know, Payne, all these great defensive tackles. Of course, they've had. And then he, you know, the season sort of started pretty lackluster, right? and he finished it really strong. But his regular season, you know, early season tape isn't great. He needed this, but it's such a weak defensive tackle class. I mean, it's so weak that I would be shocked if somebody goes off the board before Barmore. Najee Harris not running the 40 and doing timing drills. He did do on-field workouts, though. I think he's dealing with a hamstring or something like that. But he was able to do some workouts, not timing. I mean, that's rough for Najee Harris. And he's a big guy. I don't know what kind of 40 he was going to run, but not getting times on him, that might make it difficult for a team to go all in on him at the end of the first round. What do you think about Najee Harris? Yeah, I mean, you'd sure like to get a 40 without question because I think the the margin between him and ATN and Williams, Javante Williams, who just worked out well, you know, not great, but fine, um, is pretty thin. I think those three stand alone as tier one. You'd hate to fall to number three on that tier just because people don't know you're 40. But I don't think it's a coincidence that he was able to do drills and chose not to do the 40. I don't think he's going to shine in it. I think he'll probably be similar to Williams, who I mentioned, I think he ran like a four five five ish. You know, and maybe they'll be even four six. That doesn't bother me much, though, for that position. Yeah, looking at the pro day numbers from North Carolina, Javante Williams was five ten two twelve, ran a four five five. Pretty nice agility drills. Really good short shuttle four oh nine. Really good three cone uh, six nine seven. Michael Carter four five zero at five eight two hundred pounds. So good on the weight, but short arm, small hands. You want him to be a little bit more dynamic, I think, as a as a five eight running back. That's going to be more of a, a passing down back, but you know, nice three cone and and great short shuttle under four seconds, three nine eight. So you know, um, maybe not the long speed there, but jitterbug in short areas. And I think two hundred pounds for Michael Carter as a five eight running back is is really solid too. Yeah, yeah, and I, when I initially looked at his numbers, I'm like, ah, this is going to hurt him a little bit, you know. Uh, we know he's small, but 200, 200 pounds is a good number to get to. You mentioned a good shuttle. That's really important because that's his game. You would prefer, you know, that he did have good speed. And, he, you know, I don't see a lot of people catching him, but the ACC is not exactly loaded with great defenses either. Um, as for Williams, that's basically what I expected. I mean, he's not going to wow you that way. I mean, his game's different than great athleticism. Deami Brown from North Carolina is an interesting name that has some helium Ooh, right I think now. He's creeping up boards. Yeah, in that day two area, probably. He's got that Will Fuller, Marvin Jones, I think. Uh, Draft Network comped him to Mike Wallace. Just speed wide receiver. Yeah, he's so yeah. good tracking the ball. He's so good getting the ball down the field. He's that outside, deep downfield weapon if you're looking for a linear receiver. 6'1, 189. Uh, just really solid workout across the board. 38 inch vertical, 4'4, 640. Um, he's just really good with the ball skills too, and the ball's in the air down the field. So if you're looking for that type of wide receiver on day two, there's a lot more slot types in this draft, I think, than this style, which will probably help Deami Brown. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is it's an awesome receiver class. And some of it's, do you like chocolate, vanilla or strawberry, but there's fewer in the Brown mold than there are these electric Eskridge, more, more Tony, you know, I mean, these slot smaller unbelievably quick and fast guys. So that might help him. I mean, I, I keep hearing a lot of buzz about him. As you mentioned, I, he may be a top 50 player when it's all said and done. 
Miami's Pro Day. This is a big one for some first-round edge rushers. Jalen Phillips and Gregory Rousseau specifically. Rousseau, just the length. 6'6", 6'7", um, 266 pounds, 34 and three-quarters inch arms. It's 92nd percentile, 98th percentile height, um, 11-inch hands, 99th percentile. But then the explosion was a little lacking. Only a 30-inch vertical. Um, four six nine forty, which is fine at his length and size. Uh, short shuttle, thirty sixth percentile. Three cone, seven point five zero sixteenth percentile. So I think the short area stuff and his get off is one of the things I was a little bit worried about. Length, great explosion, little worrisome for a first round defensive end. I don't know where Gregory Russo is going to end up with only one year of tape, but it was pretty good tape and he had fifteen sacks. Uh, one of the things I did see is he really beat up on bad competition. And was not yeah. as good on the edge coming off and beating really good tackles. So that's a project probably for a team that wants that length and isn't as worried about the explosion. And then Jalen Phillips. I mean, if it wasn't for his past injury histories and concussions and then the reason he went from USC to Miami, this would be your first edge off the board. And he still might be. 6'5", 260, 33 and a quarter inch arms, 36 inch vertical, 4.56 in the 40-yard dash at 260 pounds, you know, short area stuff, and he had a really good season, too. So Jalen Phillips really helped himself out. It's the medical that's really going to be key for him if he's the first edge off the board or if it's someone like Pay. Yeah, I don't have much more to add to that. I mean, that's my thoughts exactly. Phillips is my favorite edge, but I don't have to put him through, you know, the doctor screening and all those things. I think he's the best edge of this group. Tested extremely well. I think he's very scheme versatile. Uh, a great football player, to be honest with you. And I feel the exact same way about Rousseau. You know, that even watching him on tape, he's not a super burst, quick, quick twitch, off the line type of guy, you know, uh, that just uncoils and shoots out there. But those guys, too, also eat up a lot of a lot of ground, as a Mike Evans does as a wide receiver. With their long stride length, they can get to the quarterback with fewer strides. But he's not super twitchy, and you know Miami would push him inside at times. I could see that being something to use for him, but uh, at the next level even. He worries me a little. We'll have more official, or I guess semi-official numbers. It's hard to go too official with these numbers that we're yeah. seeing from the pro days here, but you get a, an athletic picture, and at least heights and weights are going to be pretty accurate for a lot of prospects here. So more pro days in pro day season as we lead up to the NFL draft over the course of the next Month, Of course, a ton of the questions that I sent out there uh, on Twitter are about that trade and about what the 49ers are going to do. I think we've already answered some of those. I, I think it is Justin Fields at three to answer most of these questions. That's where my brain's at. We'll see. I have a feeling a lot of mock drafts are going to start having Fields at three instead of Lance and Mac Jones, who we've seen more commonly at pick three. And I think uh, the, the betters and betonline.ag and some others have Mac Jones as the favorite for the 49ers. At three, Might regret they it. had originally Trey Lance, I think, was the favorite. Then it went to Mac Jones. I'm willing to bet the next group of mocks we see, even from the national folks that had Mac Jones in there, we're going to start to see a lot of Justin Fields at number three. That's just the way I feel about it. Um, let's go to – actually, hold on. Let's, let's hold on a second, and then we'll finish up this last segment with the, as many of your questions as possible. I really love when things are made easy for me like they are at Rock Auto. Com because I like to be a do-it-yourselfer with a lot of things in life, not the greatest when it comes to cars. 
It's amazing because you can find everything you need so easily. It's a no-nonsense website at rockauto.com. Find exactly what you need. Know that the prices are going to be low, and they always reliably are. Was it a rough winter on your vehicle? You need some new wiper blades. You need uh, a new tail lamp. You need new tires. Whatever you need. Jumper cables. Big parts. Small parts. Engine control modules. Whatever those are. They have them at rockauto.com for your specific car or truck. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Checking in on the Built Bar Bracket, the Munch Madness, today's matchup, and... The coconut family of flavors took a hit. Four flavors in the eight. It was looking like they could have a complete sweep of the flavorful four here, but only one remains. It's the coconut brownie chunk taking on my favorite to win the whole thing now, mint brownie. You can vote at builtbar.com or go to Twitter at bar underscore built. Which flavor should win the 2021 built bar bracket as the best flavor of High protein, high fiber, low sugar, low calorie protein bar that tastes like a candy bar that is covered in 100% chocolate. Find out at builtbar.com. And while you're there, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next box of Built Bars, which are high in protein, high in fiber, yet low in calorie and low in sugar, while somehow not sacrificing any wonderful taste. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. This one from Kevin on Twitter. He says, of the coaches fired in 2020, I think only two might ever be back as a head coach. Who comes back Mm. first, Bill O'Brien or Doug Peterson? I think O'Brien, the GM, got O'Brien, the coach, fired. Well, absolutely, O'Brien, the GM, really screwed Bill O'Brien, the coach. Uh, There's 100% uh, fact in that statement. Who gets the job first, Doug Peterson or Bill O'Brien? Mm. <laughs> Peterson's got a Super Bowl ring. I think Peterson's a little more likable, although that's not necessarily what you need in the job description. But um, I, I always thought O'Brien, his personality and persona aside, before this past year was an underrated coach because he won the AFC South time and time again with Fitzpatrick, Schaub, um, Osweiler. I'm trying to think who even, you know, that Hoyer maybe. Like, nobody good, you know, and J.J. Watt and Hopkins and a couple good players, but they weren't 13-3, and three, but he consistently made them a winning team and win that, that division without a quarterback with an average roster. I think there's an art to that for sure. Um, I'm going to go O'Brien, I guess, but I don't know that anyone's going to be, either one's going to be at the top of the list next year. I don't think either is going to be in high demand, and I think either one both has to go be an offensive coordinator somewhere and prove that again and get one more shot. I think uh, it's really hard because Doug Peterson does have the ring, but I feel like Bill O'Brien's got a better resume to say, look, yeah, I'm not going to be GM anymore. I get it. I screwed that part of it up. Somebody else makes the decisions. Let me coach the team, and, and maybe he can get back in there. And he's obviously Bill Belichick tree guy, so I think that'll probably help him. I was thinking that too is 
I don't know if Bill has a spot, but that's a pretty darn good reference to have amongst owners. Belichick calls the guy up and says, hey, you know, some weird things happened that last year in Houston, but this guy can coach you, coach guys up. And I, I, I don't know if he could if I project them to be a coordinator. I mean, some of those guys at this stage of their career are like, I'm up being a coordinator. And I feel like Bill O'Brien doesn't really play well with others either. So he kind of right. needs to be the guy who's fully in charge. And I'm not hiring him to be fully in charge of anything. Right. And that, and it, it, I'm not sure I'm hiring to be my coordinator if I don't have a great relationship with him already. Right. And he's going to challenge everything I think. And, you know, he thinks he's the head guy. And uh, I don't know that. I mean, I, I guess I don't have the list in front of me, but this is a really good email or a really good tweet in that if those are the best two options to get a job again, maybe none do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And there's so many good young coaches that are getting shots in the NFL right. at younger and younger ages, too. So uh, less owners and less GMs are going with retread head coaches than ever before. Good point. Good point. And then, you know, do you think Eric B. Enemy's out there going, if you hire one of those two in front of me, right. come on. <laughs> exactly. Um, right. Billy Max says, what are you hearing about the Jets' intentions? I'm thinking they may stick with Darnold and build, a, build around him, and Wilson falls. Is that part of what the 49ers were thinking moving up? Uh, how did Darnold compare as a prospect to the current quarterback class? He'd be right there, but I don't, I'm not giving this guy a hard time, but I don't really care what he was as a prospect. You know, yeah, I mean, we have more data now. Seen, yeah, that's a long, that's ancient history. And I realize he hasn't had the best circumstances. And I'm still a Darnold guy and I've been in his corner, but I'm, not going back to his USC tape to evaluate him versus Wilson. I mean, I'm going to watch him against the the Patriots and the, and the Dolphins and you know, all those these games in the league. And in the end, I think it's great that they show that they they haven't quite showed their hand. And maybe they even keep Darnold past the draft if they do draft Wilson. I just think they're going to draft Wilson, you know, I mean, and they're going to try to maximize the best they, the best return they possibly can for Darnold, but that's kind of dried up a little bit. I do think the 49ers knowing that that was one of the three quarterbacks they liked and, and not knowing a hundred percent what the jets are going to do that maybe Zach Wilson is the guy that ends up falling to them. Uh, maybe it's Pitts or something crazy or Sewell or who knows. And they actually do decide to go with, you remember there was the, the Corey Davis quote saying he signed with the jets because uh, Darnold was told he was told Darnold was going to be the starter and he wanted to play with Darnold or something like that. Right. Um, I don't know how true any of that is. It's possible. I think it's extremely unlikely, though. And, and I think it's I think we all know who one and two is going to be. And the draft is now going to start at pick three. Maybe we'll even learn a lot more about pick three. And now the draft will start at four. It seems like every few weeks the draft starts a little later and later this year. And the key is, too, it's not that anyone, including them, know that Wilson's going to be way better than Darnold. But Darnold's only got one more year on his contract. You can't be comfortable extending him right now to big money. I mean, uh, that seems foolish. And what an advantage it is, even if it is the second pick in the draft, to have a quarterback on a rookie deal. You know, I mean, that's a lot more Corey Davis's and Carl Lawson's you can sign in the future. Oh, no doubt. And if you're sitting at pick two, you start the clock over at quarterback, and it's definitely Wilson over Darnold for me, even if Darnold had a better grade, you think, when coming out of school, because now he has yeah. a new grade, and it's not as good, and you know, uh, you want to start the clock over on a rookie contract with the quarterback, and if you weren't going quarterback, we just saw what the 49ers gave up to go up to number three, 
you should be on the clock at 12 if you're the Jets, if you're not going with the quarterback and have all those extra draft picks, right? And then you could move up to get your guy or Kyle Pitts or something at pick six if you wanted to, right? That's a good point. You know, if uh, – this is the one – I'm sure you've talked about it, but this is one thing we haven't talked about with the Niners trade is they have great connections with the new Jet staff, obviously. I mean, Robert Saul is the new head coach. I mean, you don't think that there was at least a, a little conversation there between Shanahan and Sala, like – Hey, is it worth our time to come to two? No, thanks. Okay, nice talking to you. Best of luck. I hope it works out, Robert. You know, I wish you well, especially because you're in the AFC and we're in the NFC. I mean, if the Jets truly were sticking with Darnold, wouldn't they have just taken the deal that the Niners offered? Absolutely, 100%. That's what really convinces me. And it's not... It's not coincidence that this whole trade ended up happening at the BYU Pro Day with everybody together there and everyone realizing, okay... Wilson's going to the Jets at two. Now we got to get up to three to get blank, right? I, I just feel like it, it all adds up. Right. It's definitely right. Lawrence. It's definitely Wilson, too. We'll find out who number three is. But to play, the Jets playing poker can't say, we love Wilson, we're trading Darnold, because then you're not going to get as much. Because right. all of a sudden, there's very few people probably in the Darnold market. And to me, if Darnold's on the Jets, it's because they didn't get anything for him. Right. And they're hoping for, you know, Carolina doesn't get shut out on the draft and then they call them after or Denver doesn't land anybody in the draft or Andy Dalton sprains an ankle or you know what I mean? Right. Something bad happens post draft. Or I mean, Darnold was a good prospect. So see what he looks like in the new system, at least, and have some competition that makes sure. both of them better. And maybe Darnold does look good in a couple of games to start the year. Then Wilson takes over and you're able to get more for Darnold after that because he showcased some talent there in your offense. He could be the opening day starter. Right. I mean, he could beat out Wilson, and then all of a sudden, people are, you know, want him. This one from Shooter McGavin on Twitter. He says, or is it Shutter McGavin? I see where he's going here. Uh, I'm a big believer in the pendulum theory in that the running game went away for a while, so it's been a passing game. A lot of the teams having recent success deep in the playoffs are power-running teams. Defensive players are lighter in weight. Are we seeing the swing part of the pendulum? Interesting. So now can teams utilize the strength of the power running game because defenses are getting lighter and trying to cover more of the field and more spread out offenses? Yes, I think that's definitely true. And he's not wrong about, you know, the the pendulum has swung very pass heavy, of course. But I still think the Sean Paytons and smart offensive minds of the of the world aren't going to say passing's the most efficient, running's junk. It's going to be we want to run versus pass fronts, and we want to pass versus run fronts. You know what I mean? Like, or when you're expecting run, we want to pass. You know, and you could do that by a lot of different things, the use of different formations, and certainly personnel groups. Um, to this guy's point, though, I mean, I don't think it's an accident that uh, right now the Patriots and Belichick, who's a great defensive mind, says, I don't want to play against two tights and a Cam Newton type. You know, I'm building mm-hmm. an offense that I would not want to d- defend. And the Ravens are obviously an example, too. A lot of success without relying on the passing game. And Derrick Henry's led the league in rushing the last two years. And You know, some of these teams that can't close teams out, my Steelers come to mind. You get a lead and you can't rely on the run to put teams away or weather conditions start to get bad and you don't throw as well. Um, 
by no means do I think the running game's dying. And I do agree that there is a pendulum back and forth, but I don't think all of a sudden we're going to see 206. I don't think Jerome Bettis and Pete Johnson and Natron Means or Vince Wilfork or Casey Hampton or, you know, huge linebackers that can't run are all of a sudden going to be in, you know, what people are after. And I think that's why those Shanahan style offenses are becoming so popular around the league because they can still run the football, but they do have an yeah. element of finesse to them and they can still throw out of similar packages too. So you can take advantage of where you have the advantage personnel wise on any given play. You want to go heavy. We can throw on you. You want to go light. We can run on you. So I don't think it's going to be like you said, 250 pound running backs and 250 pound linebackers when the pendulum comes back. But I just think that uh, teams should be able to run the ball on lighter defenses and teams that are more complete and can do both are going to be better. A couple other things here too. I mean, the Shanahan thing's a good example. He's not looking for 340 pound guards either. I mean, he's looking for athletes at every position, including offensive linemen. And I bring this up a lot too. If you're going to be a heavy run team, you have to have some sort of advantage in the trenches and finding that advantage on offense nowadays is really difficult. There's so many other good questions here. I want to filter some more of these throughout the week uh, as we, as we cover some of the pro days and uh, we're going to redraft, I think the top 12 tomorrow. So I see a question from from Zachary about what the chargers should do. So maybe we'll, we'll make it 13 and cover Zach's question. Who's a Chargers fan and wants to know who, is the best fit for his team at 13. So tomorrow, let's redraft the top 12 now that there's been a big shakeup and and three teams drafting in different places and maybe do a bonus, a Baker's dozen there of picks on tomorrow's show. Get to some more questions later in the week and dive back into Matt Williamson's NFL draft rankings right here. Peacock and Williamson.